Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the I Don't Get It podcast. Naz, Lauren, and Ashley here. And we are joined by Carson Woods, who is going to talk to us about what the fuck (laughs) cryptocurrency is, what is an NFT. Like, I feel like we're living in this age where Bitcoin's been a thing forever and crypto's been a thing for a while now, but it's something that the three of us don't really get. And now there's new there's this new thing being thrown around called NFTs, which we really don't know what that <laughs> is either. So Carson's going to break this all down for us so we can all be rich bitches for hot girl summer. Carson, first tell us like how you know all about this and like what you do. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, so I kind I got into this space, the like NFT space through a, a, a little bit of like a weird, but also like organic path. So I worked at a company called Super Plastic for almost three years. I was employee number three there um, in 2018. It was my first job out of college. I lied on my resume and my cover letter because they were hiring a director of marketing and I couldn't stand my temp job answering the phone. So um, I lied and I got in the door. But what Super Plastic was doing, essentially what, what I did there is we built the very first animated character universe that used social media as its primary distribution platform. So like instead of like SpongeBob using Nickelodeon or like Marvel, you know, building in Hollywood, we were creating these stories for these animated characters in this short form content. And we were making them famous. Like they were real, like social media influencers. So I took the company. Is this question? like Lil Michaela? Yeah, it's very oh. similar. She kind of came first. Um, And our characters were not human. So we were, for me, like their stories and building up their following was like very deeply rooted in pop culture. So I'm I'm from, I was born and raised in Vermont and I was always obsessed with pop culture because I guess I was just trying to live vicariously through other people because there wasn't fuck all to do in Vermont. And I know that because I just got back from like literally seven days in Vermont. (laughs) And confirm, still not still fuck all. <laughs> but um, so, super plastic was we were we were building these character stories. They were completely animated. They were all rooted in pop culture. I took them from uh, thirty thousand followers to six million. Holy in, hell! Yeah, in um, like nine or ten months, once we finally launched the characters, so across all their platforms and. Super Plastic kind of became popular through designer toys. So you can see. Uh-huh. I have cool. And all designer toys start as a 3D rendering. So they start in 3D, like you build them and, and then they get sent to the to the factory. And our animated characters were obviously animated, so they were built in 3D. And it was very easy for us to kind of move into the NFT space because um, it's primarily digital art. And a lot of people are finding unique ways to digitize their art. What is an NFT? Okay, cool. Glad <laughs> you asked. So and it, the like real definition, like it stands for non-fungible token, which I kind of say like, if you just still, if that still doesn't make sense to you, don't worry about it because I don't know what the fuck <laughs> ATM stands for, but I still know how to <laughs> That's I'm true. So true. To be honest. And what I try to like, what I really try to explain is that NFT isn't really a what, because it can be a bunch of, it can be really anything. It's essentially a how a transaction is made and it's a how the ownership is verified and it uses the blockchain, which is basically just a system of computers to like authenticate that ownership. So 
anything like we can take a pick a screenshot of this this zoom window right now and we can what they call mint it on the blockchain and create an nft and it just says that you know this this photo this piece of crypto media is was ours like authentically and genuinely it's ours and when that sale happens when we sell it to the next person if somebody wants to buy it say on OpenSea or Rarible or, or a digital art marketplace, then we can verify the transfer of that ownership using the NFT, which just points to a, basically a hash on the blockchain, like an address. So it's kind of like, you know, when you sell, if you buy something off StockX or the real real, you know, that the, the consigner is going to send it to StockX or send it to the real real and they inspect it and make sure it is what the, the seller said it is. And then you're going to get that little like green token for StockX or you're going to get like the real real badge and bag from the real real. And it says like, yes, we've checked this out. It's real. That's just the an NFT and the blockchain is just a new and like <clears throat> verified digital way of, of like conducting that sale and that exchange. So professional welder, Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. So my question is, it's selling digital art. So like instead of going to a museum or going to Christie's, an auction house to like buy Banksy's art, yeah. art, it's um, art on Instagram or social media platforms or on the internet that is authenticated. We know who the artist is. We have proof of who owned it. And it's selling that digitally is that bought with real money or bought with crypto does it matter yeah let me back up really quickly because so you can when you buy something like from you know an auction house or even like an etsy page like you're gonna get probably like from an auction house or or whatever gallery you'll get some type of like certificate of ownership and authenticity Christie's and Sotheby's have been having like really amazing NFT auctions and sales as well. But right now, instead of that kind of that verification or that like authenticity being a piece of paper, it's something that's just going to live on the blockchain. So the, the, there are a ton of artists that are like gaining traction and, and that are leveraging their social media platforms and monetizing their, their social platforms and doing it in a way that's more, um, I think safe and like more of, um, kind of more fair to them as artists through social media, through this digital art, but really you can exchange, like anything can be sold with like an NFT 
a company or like complex, like TechCrunch um, just sold an apartment and that apartment had an NFT like attached to it. So whenever that is sold again, that you can see who owned it first. You can see how the sale increased or decreased. It's like, you can also go on Zillow and see the same thing, but because like you can see if something, how much something sold for before, but that is like more of, this is why what we say in like blockchain and in like cryptocurrency and in the crypto world, like it's decentralized. So instead of, you know, one kind of institution, a centralized institution, like, you know, a Zillow or like a car dealership or something owning the, the contract of that sale and like also kind of having control over what they share or don't share. We're doing it in a way that's like decentralized. So it's more open, it's transparent and it's more fair, I think. And it's just people are leaning toward that because there's so much control like over our lives that we're not even like making ourselves aware of. Like we all have a digital identity. Like this, what we're doing right now, like this conversation is like part of a digital identity. And like my work is like to like I think part of my mission is to like really preserve and protect people's digital identities and NFTs and like crypto or just like one mechanism to doing that. So, so if sorry, if someone bought something and they got an NFT, would like the public be able to um see it or is that for the only person that bought it? The anybody can see it and anybody can see that transaction ledger too. Okay. So, but, and that's kind of what's cool about it also is that like, it is very transparent and you can still see the artwork, but it's about that like ownership, mm-hmm. yeah. that true ownership. So besides it being um, like crypto and NFTs, both are a little bit more decentralized. They have less regulation. What's the relationship there between an NFT and, and big, um, cryptocurrency? Well, so crypto, this is where like that stupid word fungible comes in, where it's like, you know, that the, like somebody who chose that word did not look like any of the four of us, because it's like, like, could you just make it easy from the very beginning? Like from like, seriously, but, um, so it's non fungible, meaning that like fungibility is like the, like the malleable, like something being malleable or like that it's, you know, you can't anybody like I can, like I said, going back to this kind of zoom call, if we took a screenshot of this, I could say this screenshot is worth $10 million. And like, that is like nobody, somebody else could say it's not worth that. Somebody else could then buy it for $10 million and sell the exact same image for $10 because it's not going to be a one-to-one exchange. Whereas like, one dollar, one US dollar is going to be equal a certain amount of Bitcoin right now. So that is fungible. Like it's not, that's not going to change. The market will be volatile. So that could increase or decrease, but one dollar is still one dollar, whether it's a peso or it's, you know, a euro or a pound, it's always that exchange is always going to be you know, that's always going to be fun- a fungible exchange. So that's why so, people like crypto because it won't change. It's constant. Well, the crypt- cryptocurrency itself is, it is fungible. fungible. It is, so it's, it's changing based on, that's changing based on the market, okay. whatever. And like, honestly, cryptocurrency is like, that is still, I'm like, do I know how to invest in stocks or give financial advice? Yeah. We are all about sustainability here on the I Don't Get It podcast. And now we can have workout gear that is not fast fashion. And we're actually doing stuff to help the environment because we are repurposing old plastic bottles, fishing nets, and other waste into your clothing that you'll never want to throw away. It is such cute active wear, but also recycled. So when someone says your outfit is trashy, say thank you because it's amazing and made out of trash. <laughs> That's hilarious. Also, can I just say that like, even though it's called active wear, I wear active wear to be inactive, like mm-hmm. to literally sit and watch stuff on my couch, maybe run some errands, go get groceries. And what I love about Girlfriend Collective is they have so many functional fabrics, different colors and styles for any activity. They're 
Their leggings are squat proof. They come with pockets, which is so important to me. And they have different levels of support. So whether you need compression or comfort, um, like Lauren said, they use recycled materials. So guys, join the collective today. They actually also have a garment take back program called Regirlfriend. So once you're done loving your pieces, a long time from now, obviously, you can actually send them back to be upcycled into new girlfriend gear. And if that doesn't make you feel like you were saving the world single-handedly, I don't know what will. For our listeners of the show, Girlfriend Collective is offering $25 off your purchase of $100 or more when you go to girlfriend.com slash get it. That's $25 off $100 or more when you go to girlfriend.com slash get it. Girlfriend.com slash get it. So in lame terms, cryptocurrency is genuinely digital money backed by something of value and the market affects how things are worth. Um a non-fungible token could be anything. It could be an apartment, a piece of art that I made. It could be a screenshot of this Zoom. And it is non-fungible, meaning I get to decide. I'm in control of how much this conversation is worth because it's me and my voice. And someone can buy it for that amount of money. And like you said, they can sell it for $2 the next day because that's how much it's worth to them, meaning it's not backed by any value money. And like it puts the control in all of our hands. Yeah, it's it's basically like you said, the market is deciding like there's a lot that's that is playing into, you know, where cryptocurrency is at. But it's really like a community that's kind of determining where NFTs, what the value is of an NFT, which is... Okay, so how much do you know about Bitcoin and like Dogecoin and all that? (laughs) Not much. Depends on the question, I guess. I mean, I know enough to like get me through and I know enough to like make some shitcoin investments, obviously. Like I've got some Doge. Like Ethereum right now powers, Ethereum is a cryptocurrency that powers um, NFTs. It's like pr- the number one kind of coin that's powering NFTs. There's a there's a couple of other ones that people are are experimenting with too, w- as well. But um, yeah, what's the question? I'll give it I, my best. I guess like <laughs> the stock is so much, right? But the stock is actual money. But Bitcoin itself is not actual money. So when you own part of Bitcoin in stock form. You don't technically own Bitcoins. Is that like, right? You don't own another... Like, like you own stocking Bitcoin, but you actually own Bitcoins. No. No. That's no. what's so weird about but it. You, right. I mean, you can sell it. You can... That's kind of where like the decentralized part of it is. Because I think like the same with kind of the US dollar and like cash and even like our debit cards, like we're just relying on like a centralized or like a privatized institution to say like, Oh, this money is here. Like it's kind of this in like, I was actually talking about this with somebody over the weekend. I was like, you know, when we learn about like currencies in whatever, probably like American history or economics or something, it's like, we know we went from having gold to like printed money. And then at some point, like our parents were probably all about the checkbooks. So they were like, we're going to take your gold for these like bills. And then we're going to actually like, now you don't need bills anymore. We're going to give you a booklet where you can write your own amount. And then it went from having the booklet. I'm so sorry. My pug is snoring so loud. We can't even hear it. That's so funny. Okay, good. Um, And then you went from having a booklet to then having a piece of plastic. And it was kind of just like, nobody talks about like there had to be some people that were like what the fuck like how do like what do you mean we're gonna do this like what do you mean we're gonna ship this but we kind of just trusted it because we have this like like undying faith in like government and like federal reserve but like really why so I think you know it's kind of in the in like when it comes to cryptocurrency it's like I love to like talk about this one example that somebody told me where like, if I was going to go, if I went to a coffee shop that, that Lauren owned and I was like, um, I'm going to buy a cup of coffee. And I gave, you know, I gave her my debit card. All she's going to do essentially is like call the bank, but by calling the bank, really like her computer systems communicating with the bank, it's confirming Carson has this money. 
through like cryptocurrency, it's me going to your coffee shop and saying, I want to buy this cup of coffee. I have the money. And you're going to turn, you're going to call my mom. You're going to call my sister. You're going to call my friends. You're going to call everybody in my network and say, does Carson have this money? That network essentially are nodes, which are computers that are communicating on the blockchain. So it's like this communal like assertion of like, yes, Carson has the money. And it's like, do we trust three, five, 10, 50 people when they say yes? Or do we, that have really no, like they have no ties. They have no reason to lie. Or do we trust that one privatized institution? The bank. When they say yes? Yeah. Yeah. It's all about like putting the control like back into our hands. I want to go back yeah. to, that was a great explanation. Thank you. I want to go. Very yeah. perfect. I get yeah. it. Yes. I want to go back to NFTs now. So things that we can all sell. Um, I first have like a random question and then I want to get into like, how can we at home sell stuff and start making money? Right. But so for art specifically, this is a very specific question for like digital art. Mm -hmm. There was digital art piece recently sold for so much money on Instagram so much money. I forgot which I forgot what it was. I saw it recently, like millions of dollars. And I was like, why would someone buy this when you can just screenshot it because it's digital? It's not like a Picasso, you know, where there's only so many in the world that I would be hanging in my house. But I guess I don't know, is the answer just like, well, it was worth it to that person and that's like what decides what gets bought well, in the world? I think It's because whoever, I mean, really the value is in the ownership, right? Just like the value, you know, there are like, there are fine art collectors that will buy an art piece and then have a replica made to hang that replica in their home so that they can protect that art piece. Like, because it's more about the ownership and like verifying and like the status and the feeling and whatever the ethos behind owning that. So like, any of us, like we could all say like, okay, the, everybody uses the Mona Lisa example. Like we could all go drag and drop Mona Lisa from Google images and put it on our desktop and use it as our phone background or our screensaver, whatever the fuck, but it doesn't change the fact that the French Republic owns it. And like, that's the, like, that is who has like the real piece. Like people travel, where is it displayed at the Louvre or whatever? Yeah, people, the travel there. people travel there to go see that, to go see like the, original piece and that is like kind of what the value is that's where it's in that like true ownership but that makes sense to me because the person that owns it is making money by people buying tickets to go see it at the Louvre. how do you profit off owning something digital well there's i think you know I, in the beginning, like around February, March-ish, there was a really big secondary market in NFTs. So a lot of people were buying and flipping, but you know, the same goes for any type of like collectible or whatever is like, you know, I have this cause figure next to me, like this, I could sell this cause figure on StockX today for, you know, $5,500. How much am I going to be able to sell it for in 10 years? Or when cause is dead, no offense, cause. Yeah. But like where I think like it's kind of, I don't think many, I, I hope that people aren't always getting into it. Like I know that there was a big wave of collectors that were coming in to flip and to, to turn a profit, which is fine because it stimulated that kind of market and sales. But right now it's so, it's so young and so new. And I think really what it comes down to in the next like, five years or 10 years is going to be the type of blockchain that people were, because there are different blockchains that are good for minting different types of NFTs, like one of ones or collectibles or whatever. People are creating their own blockchains to do this, like CryptoPunks, which they, I think came out in 2017. They were these collectibles of these like eight bit punks. And there, you know, they, there was a huge auction. Sotheby's is having an auction. Christie's had an auction. Jay-Z just changed his profile picture to one. Like these are reselling for millions of dollars and they were bought for almost nothing. And it's just because of like the status and the longevity and the fact that they were first and they were, or, or I don't know if they were exactly first, but they were hella early. Right. And that, what that kind of means for the market. So right now I do feel like 
there is an investment to it, but really like I'm just collecting because these are things that I like and I will have a way to display them at some point, the same way that I display like the artwork and the, the, on my walls and the trade shelves. It's just a matter of like the tech, the, like the display technology, you know, matching the quality of that artwork. Lauren, why is being healthy so hard? (laughs) It's probably the the most difficult thing, especially after I've done hair all day and all I want is a brew, a brew, a beer, a brewski, a loose brew, a, a a roadie, you know, anything. (laughs) A roadie. (laughs) A roadie. Um, but I have learned that I can also, I can have my cake and eat it too when it comes to wanting a drink when I'm done working and being healthy. And that's with Coors Pure. Yes, Coors Pure is organic, but they're chill about it, you know? Like, it's a refreshingly simple beer. They make it with organic barley, organic hops, and water. The best part is that there is zero goose egg sugar in this thing. It's only 92 calories, Literally the perfect beer to celebrate the wins of everyday life. And it's pure. If you're out on a boat, you're enjoying the summer day, you want a delicious beer and you don't want to feel guilty at the end of the day, like, shit, what did I drink? Oh my God. This is only 92 calories. You can have a couple of these and feel fine. You may feel, you you know, if you'll feel fine about your uh, caloric intake. Exactly, guys. Coors Pure is a perfect beer to celebrate the wins of everyday life. So when you want to enjoy a beer without the guilt, Reach for Coors Pure. It's organic, but they're chill about it. All you have to do is go to CoorsPure.com to see where you can find Coors Pure. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Albany, Georgia. So how do we know, how can we like sell some, how do we sell an NFT and get into that? And how do we create value around it? So like we, the three of us were together watching the Jake Paul, Floyd Mayweather boxing fight. And he was wearing a Pikachu Pokemon card around his neck. And I was like, oh, this is genius. Someone out there is going to want this. Is That's an NFT, right? Like he was wearing that to create value, to sell it for whatever amount he wanted to on the blockchain. So that Pokemon Pikachu card was an NFT. Well, that had an NFT backing it, right? Exactly. So that, that sale and that exchange was going to forever be like a part of the blockchain. And I think like, you know, there's, there's a really like a lot of people are kind of trying to figure out like just how to do NFTs or whatever, but really like, this is a new medium. It's a new marketing tactic. It's whatever you want it to be. It can be for some people, it's a new investment strategy or it's a new revenue stream. Like it's really just new technology. Like there's, there's so many, like there's so many events and kind of like evolutions in, in history that I, that I point to and think about, like even Instagram or Snapchat or then Instagram stories, like these are all just new tactics. Like we see people monetizing their kind of audience, their fan base, their followers in a, in like a multitude of different ways. And I think like same for artists and content creators and anybody else, like you can use this as a medium. So you could, you know, create content that is just sold and exchanged as NFTs. You could also sell, you know, tickets. Like if you guys did like in-person, like podcast recording sessions, say you created 10 NFT like tickets for this, only 10 ever. And you said that the person, the, the holder of this NFT is going to get to come to our podcast recording and then have like a hangout with us after, but we're only ever going to make 10. Well, say that you sell them for, you know, a hundred dollars and that, that initial 10, that initial group of 10 people will get to come and have that, that unique experience with you. And then they want to sell them because maybe you said as like a kind of exclusive or like kind of a hype strategy, you're only ever going to make 10. If that, if one of those people resells that for a million dollars, what's really awesome about this, and I think probably the biggest piece that I left out is that you as the original creator artist will always get a royalty on that in perpetuity. Wow. So so that you can put that into the smart contract, which 
smart contract is kind of what powers that NFT and says, like, anytime this is exchanged, you can also use the contract or the NFT as a, like, generative art piece or media piece and say, okay, maybe, you know, four months goes by or three months goes by, goes by and you guys decide you're going on tour or you're going to have, uh, you're going to have your own special like birthday party for Ashley. And then all of a sudden you announce, guess what? Holders of this NFT in 12 hours, get a VIP ticket to my birthday party. You're going to like, people will start listing them for sale. Maybe like at crazy, like inflated rates because you can use marketing and you can use them as a medium to engage with your community, to promote new things, to, you know, give people content, like whatever that looks like. It's just the opportunities are so endless. Better than like a ticket because then a ticket you could sell on like a third party stub hub or something and you get none of that. You get none of the hype. You get none of the royalties. This is like all about us controlling Exactly. That's like, so this is the kind of like core of crypto that like I'm obsessed with is the idea of sovereignty and like self-sovereign identity. And what sovereignty is like at the, at its core is denouncing anything that has power over you, any system, any structure, any institution that has power over you as a woman, like that's literally the only fucking thing I want. When it comes to any part of my life. And I think like, it's the most important, like I am, like I said in the beginning, like I'm obsessed with, I've been obsessed with pop culture my whole life. I've been, I got grounded literally at 14 years old and I'm still grounded because I had a MySpace when I wasn't supposed to. Like my identity is so like, so at my core is so connected to social. Like it's my first instinct. Like when something funny is happening or something awesome is happening or whatever. Like I post and I share like my identity is so digital. We already are digital avatars. Like we literally already are, but these platforms and these formats and you know, like your example of Subhub, like they're controlling that identity. And we have, we're just like kind of like so submissive and just accepting that. Mm -hmm. So like, we're not going to stop participating in that stuff. And that's not what I'm suggesting, but I'm saying like, if you're somebody who is monetizing that digital identity as a creator, as like an avatar in your own right, like there should be an element or a strategy within like your kind of future roadmap to decentralize that. Do you think that, Oh, I'm so sorry. You go Naz. (laughs) I was just going to say, how do we create an NFT? Like, if I, let's say Lauren and Ashley and I create a screenshot of this right now, how do I make that an NFT? If I have never done, I don't have any crypto, I have no idea where to start. Like, what do I need to download or sign up for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'll have to, right now, there's a there's only two um, kind of open market or like public um, digital art NFT marketplaces right now. So one is called OpenSea.io and the other is called Rarible. And what those are, so like a lot of the other um, marketplaces, they're what people call curated, what I like to call gatekept <laughs> because they're they're not actually, um, they're not authentically curated. I, actually, I have a I just accepted a role as chief experience officer at a, at a newly announced digital art marketplace that will be truly curated. But um, if you go to one of these like open marketplaces, you will need some type of like digital wallet. So the one that everybody uses and the one that those two marketplaces uses is called MetaMask. And what you'll do is you'll set up a MetaMask wallet and you'll buy um, using, you know, wire. You can also use like Apple Pay to buy um, enough Ethereum to mint an NFT. And then really it's just like a creator studio. It's like a drag and drop um, format. And then they do the minting for you and they do whatever. And then you list it and and put it for sale. And you can decide if you want it to be, you know, a certain number of additions. You can decide if you want it to be an auction, like there is a bit of um, 
you know, I think there are some roadblocks and like some real um, barriers to entry when it comes to like education and just making this super simple for people, um, which is, you know, why I like jump at the opportunity to have a conversation like this, because first people have to give a shit about what it is that, you know, we're talking about. Right. And then they'll, they'll be more open and like more excited to figure out like, well, how do I actually do this Mm -hmm. myself? And like, there's some trial and error that goes into it. Like you have to kind of feel your way around, but there's a lot of resources. And like, I have to say, like, I mean, like I said in the beginning, I had a job, like I was employee number three. I had several positions there. I was the director of brand development. Like at 26 years old, I was like, I never thought I would be like, I would have such an awesome salary and like such a great position in my life. And I, I mean, like I was getting deals with like Gucci and Fortnite and like Rico Nasty and J Balvin, like it's just shit that somebody from Vermont was like, I'll never, could never fucking imagine this would be my life. Like I quit that job to do basically like, you know, just go out there on a, like move to LA 10 days later, start consulting for as many people as I could because I was so obsessed with the community because of how like supportive and genuine and authentic that they, they are and that they were then and still are now. And like they, anybody that comes in, like, you know, I think, um, a lot of like really like high profile celebrities are like entering the space and some of their sales on, on platforms like Nifty Gateway, which is really like, you know, kind of like the stock X of, of this space right now. It's like where everybody wants to be. It's like complex or whatever, high snob. But um, people are seeing that like those high profile celebrities are, are having sales that are like a drop in the bucket compared to some of these like digitally NFT native artists who are in the community who are helping people, supporting people, building friendships every single day. And like, that's a really important like takeaway. I think for anybody that like they're, they are there to help. Like I'm here to help. Like I try to answer every single DM that people, they're like, what's an NFT. Like I will literally get on the phone in my day and have a conversation just like this or get on zoom and show them how to set up a MetaMask wallet. Like, because we want to bring more people into this wow. space. It's mm-hmm. just Okay. So it's summer. I love summer so much. The thing about summer though, especially if you live in um, a place that has warmer temperatures, sometimes it's hard to figure out what shoe to wear, especially in LA. That's actually constantly my struggle, Lauren, because in the morning it can be cold and then in the day it can be scorching hot and then at night it can be chilly again. So I have found that the perfect shoe to wear for any occasion has been a Rothie. They have best-selling flats, loafers, and sneakers. They also have sandals in an array of colors for exploring, and they have a bunch of new styles. Plus, their spacious washable bags are perfect for summer getaways, too. So not only do they make shoes, they also make bags. My favorite thing about Rothy's is it's always like it's not something that's too hot on my foot, and the flats are light enough where it's like keeping my foot warm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it literally goes with any outfit, and I never regret it. Sometimes when I wear sandals, I'm like, why did I wear sandals? Yeah, I should have wore something comfier. Mm-hmm. The Rothy's is just like literally the answer. You'll never regret putting them on your feet. Rothy's is also introducing men's sandals. So Rothy's newly launched men's shoes are intentionally designed with an artistic seasonal level of detail and created with nearly zero waste. Rothy's men's shoes are durable, washable, just like our ladies' shoes and better for the planet. Plus rigorous testing during R&D results in a perfect fit wash after wash. Yes, guys. So to help you welcome summer in style, they're doing something very special. That's right. They gave us a chance to share this super rare opportunity with our listeners for a limited time. So through August 1st of this year, 2021, you can actually get $20 off your first purchase of $100 or more at rothys.com slash get it. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash get it. Trust us, you do not want to miss out on this. Head to rothys.com slash get it to find your new favorites today. So you do you think that people listening, if they're trying to invest wisely, they should invest in Ethereum? Um, This is not financial advice, but I think... I mean, I am an Ethereum maxi. Like, I have an Ethereum tattoo that I got with, like, two of my other friends. So this is it. That is the advice. (laughs) 
I will say though, you know, this is Ethereum does not come without its flaws. Like, you know, a lot of people talk about the carbon emissions. A lot of people, you know, there's really, really high, what we call gas fees, like what the cost to mint something can be, you know, $500 sometimes for artists, which is again, another one of these barriers of entry. So Mm. the the marketplace that I um, work for called 888 The New World we're actually going to be using Flare, which is a new layer one um, token and blockchain, which will have zero carbon emissions and like penny cost cool. to mint. So wow. it's good to keep an eye out. Like it's always, you know, I think when you're talking about what like currency or like whatever to kind of invest in, like layer twos, which do- I don't really know the difference. I think like, there's kind of a blockchain that powers it. And then there's like a little mini blockchain that's kind of put over top of it that helps absorb some of these like issues with whatever the layer one is. But layer twos are going to start to fall off, I think, in in the next couple of years. And these new like layer one blockchains are going to um, really rise up. And I, I have to say like all of that advice is like what I've you know, gathered from people that are way smarter than me because I'm never the smartest person in the room because that's like just, I, I would never even be in this conversation. Because but I, you're a perfect balance. Like you're, you're so easy to listen to and you're cool and you're pretty mm-hmm. and you're smart. Like I think you're the whole package. Don't poo-poo yourself. <laughs> yes. Everything Lauren just said. How long does it take to get something minted? Um, like a couple seconds to a couple minutes. It depends on how many people are on the network. Got it. So like it's like it's like that that coffee analogy that I told like it depends on how long it takes all those computers to communicate and like where what your connection is like and how many people are on the network like if everybody's trying to mint everybody's trying to buy like but yeah it's pretty fast that's crazy what is um what is some of the craziest things that you have seen get is the is nft a verb do i say get nft'd are an nft like how do i even use the word i mean like i don't know i've heard everything like uh honestly but like i would say like nft is like a noun i guess okay. i'm also like not great grammar is not my strong suit. me neither i, still use, I, use, grammarly, I use grammarly premium even on my emails so. <laughs> but um i think that you know, I've seen some crazy shit. Like one time I was like, I ended up somehow like moderating this clubhouse room back in like the beginning of March where it was like Diplo and Dylan Francis and some other people like talking about NFTs and they were just like completely like butchering it. And some of my friends who were on stage with them, they were like, bring Carson up. So they brought me up and I ended up moderating this room with Diplo for like six hours and like Paris Hilton was in there and Lindsay Lohan was in there fucking Pete Wentz was in there like some crazy it was fucking it was so wild and weird like I did don't even know what happened but somebody took a screenshot of that clubhouse stage and literally minted and sold it like they took it as an NFT which was like which was just like I was like "Eh." But what's his name? Jack, um, who's the founder of, of Twitter, Jack Dorsey or something. Yeah. But he minted his very first tweet and it sold for like a shit ton of money. Like it can be anything. And I mean, I say that with like a like grain of salt, like be, you know, that type of like hype and excitement, I think has like certainly died down. Like I would implore people to like be creative. Like this is such a creative space and it's such a unique opportunity to like do something new and cool for the first time. Like one of my drops that I did actually um, with a company that I'm a partner in called Triptych, um, one of the friends of the other partners had found a photograph of Andy Warhol in a garbage bag in, in Hell's Kitchen during like the Studio 54 heydays. And for the last like 30 plus years, he was just like, I have this photograph of Andy Warhol. Never knew anything about it. Never saw anything like it. And we created like a high res digital rendering of it. And we um, minted it as an NFT. And the whole purpose of the campaign was to find the photographer. So we made it a a community engagement opportunity and campaign to say, 
we're selling this, uh, this original, like unknown photographer, whatever photograph of Andy Warhol. It's very intimate. It was a photo that's unlike anything that really has had ever been seen before. And it itself hadn't been seen before. And we said, whoever in the community can help us to identify who the photographer is, gets a percentage of the sale. Like they get a Wow. That's so cool. And we, we ended up selling that NFT for 15 Ethereum, which at um, that time was just under $40,000 um, to John Legere, who's like a really awesome person in the NFT community. And he was Wasn't the ex- he the former CEO of T-Mobile? Yes, yes, That's yes. so funny. I work with T-Mobile. Oh my God, that's, <laughs> that's so hilarious. Funny. He loves, he's so funny. He like came in the clubhouse room. He's like, hey, you guys, what am I missing? I'd love mm-hmm. to get in on this. And literally the last yeah. minute of the auction. But um, we have extent, like that whole, that opportunity to find the photographer of that photograph and the, like the promise of that percentage of the sale is still open. Like people have one year. So, you know, people still hit us up and they say like, we, we reached out to this photographer's estate and this gallery and whatever, like they're trying to find it. So there are really like unique and fun ways to like leverage the technology. Could you technically, could I make a recording of my voice and sell that as an NFT? Like, I wonder if musicians, I was just going to say if Taylor Swift did this, she wouldn't be in that, that shit. Um, situation of remastering because she, she would have owned if it. If she would have minted her own. Right. Yeah. This is why all the powers that be suck. See? You do fucking get we it. We fucking <laughs> get it. <laughs> it. It's autonomy. It's like personal agency. And like, we have to pay attention because if we don't, otherwise, men are going to get all the wealth again. <laughs> it's and true. It's so true. <laughs> Stop them at all costs, please. It's so true. But that's what I'm saying. So like, I wonder, I wonder how like OnlyFans fits into this. And like, if you, if you sold like a picture, if you sold your voice or a picture of like your boobs, like what, like are, are stuff, is stuff like that getting NFT'd? I have actually, which like I'll, I will share it here and like keep it a little bit, whatever. And at least we'll have a track record of this, but like, I have the ultimate like blockchain competitor to OnlyFans in my head. Someday when I have the funding, I will build it. I will back you. I'll back you with my three cents that I have. (laughs) And and honestly, this was one of the main um, kind of when I was contextualizing and understanding this myself, I, I wrote this article on my blog called sex on the blockchain because of, of, you know, only fans because only fans has provided, I think a very dangerous, um, sense of financial like independence. Mm -hmm. And, um, it still continues to stigmatize sex workers and in particular digital sex workers. And it still is very, um, it's, it's extremely oppressive because, I had a friend who is a really, like, she's a top OnlyFans earner. And she told me at one point that she wanted to make apparel and she was showing me her apparel designs. And I was like, dude, these are so sick. Like this was the time when like, I was still at the uh, super plastic. So I was doing toy and apparel stuff all the time. And I was like, these are so sick. So like, how are we going to market to your subscribers? She had like a million subscribers. She's like, I can't. And I was like, what do you mean? You can't market to them. She's like, I'll get banned. If I like, if I advertise an off-site sale, that's so ridiculous. She said she has no d- information to her audience demographic, like of her audience demographics. She doesn't have a fucking email address. She doesn't have a region. She doesn't have it. And the the uh, the argument to that, or like the defense of OnlyFans, is like, well, it's for privacy, mm-hmm. but like. Why do we feel so fucking ashamed of like the consumption of like not safe for work content or like porn that we feel like we have to like protect the people who are consuming, but you can't protect the actual like creator because there was a huge data breach and a bunch of shit got leaked out. Like they don't do anything to protect, like somebody could take a screenshot and post it and tag the person. Like there's no, it's so like, I just have so many problems with it. So that's what I, my plan is. And I think like the, that the blockchain can like really like decentralize sex and not to mention like 
sex work has been, and like pornography in particular, has been a massive like defining factor for a lot of advancements in technology. Right, right. That's like, why I bring it up. Yeah. Exactly. And like women actually have are responsible for a lot of advancements in technology, like the very first computer programmer, the, the, the person who, the very first person to have a computer in their home, the very first person to figure out, to literally invent Wi-Fi and like what power is now Bluetooth and GPS, like all women. And yet like there's so many, there's only, I think 25% of, of, um, tech jobs are held by By women women, like it's so problematic like that's why I think my kind of motivation here is I was like I'm not going to like let this become another industry like that like I I want women to like enter this space like with a fucking vengeance like (laughs) I love you Carson I think you, you definitely convinced all of our like female listeners to like at least investigate NFTs a little bit more, and I'm sure they would love to back your um your OnlyFans yeah, endeavor. Yeah. And <laughs> when does Flare come out? Because okay, so we didn't get much into minting, but you did say that that's a barrier of entry. So like, what are yeah. the barriers of entry? So it's not like I can just go get it minted and then make a million dollars. Like I have to pay to get it minted, and it sounds like it's yeah. not cheap. Um, so tell me more about, tell us more about minting and how flares, when, when flares coming out and how it's helping. Yes. Yeah. So basically like the minting is, is essentially just another way of saying like mining, like you have, because the NFT has a, what is called like a hash or a token, like it has a token hash and an address, which is like the way I describe it, honestly, to people is like, think about using a library and like a Dewey decimal system like that. Imagine the structure, like the institution of the library is the blockchain and every single book that's in there is the NFT that is existing, like within that blockchain. And the, there's a hash and there's a token address for, for everything so that you know where to find it. And there's a process to getting that number and getting that address, which takes time and it takes the energy and the power of the computers. So that itself is, is very costly and it's a high consumption of, of tech, of energy, which is why there's like so, so many conversations around carbon emissions. And, you know, a lot of artists are seeing that barrier to entry because there it's since there's so many more people that are now like minting and really trying to get into this, it can cost, you know, at one point I remember seeing like even to buy an NFT to, cause you have to make that exchange, which means there has to be another new hash, another new address. Like it can, it was at one point like $500, like it was crazy. So flair is, uh, and I'm still like, we, we just at 88, the new worlds, like I just came on board. Like we, I just entered partnership with them and I am like really excited to learn more about like how they work and how they're structured. But I know that they're, you know, layer one blockchain that's going to have no carbon emissions and like literally one cent like mint fees. Oh, so cool. it, it'll be awesome. And I think like that's, those are the two, those are two barriers to entries. I think also just like accessibility, which I'm, you know, a huge kind of, you know, advocate for, I think people need to be able to, if, if this is happening on a computer, they need access to computers. They need, you know, content and education materials that is, that are distributed in a way that can support people who have disabilities, who have vision impairment, who have hearing impairment. Like people need to be able to access this technology to really like leverage it and, part of that accessibility is the education and there's not really like one place to go, which is like another, you know, future business goal of mine is, you know, kind of create that because I think one of the problems is that the people who are creating educational resources and like, I have to say like, shout out to like, you know, OpenSea and a lot of these other marketplaces, they're, they're great about like creating blog posts and kind of infographics and stuff. But a lot of times the people who are curating those or like who are contributing to those are people who have this like already inherent understanding of how it all works. So they're not taking the time to kind of like to break it down. Give a coffee yeah. analogy. Yeah. Is it open seed or open sea? 
OpenCSEA.io. Okay. And do they have an Instagram? I th- yeah, I think they do. Okay. A lot of this stuff is happening on Twitter. I got to say, Twitter's... Oh, Twitter. I'm not on Twitter. Oh, that's <laughs> like that's like how stocks are. Like, people talk about them on Twitter all the time. Do you... Um, do you own or have bought any nfts that you can share about and like what are the most popular ones out there i have a bunch i mean it depends i mean right now like let me just pull up my account i'll show you guys but i bought a bunch from people who are like my friends i bought them from artists that i really love and i think are awesome um i think right it's a popularity is weird because it's it all is about like the community and who everybody is like really excited about um right now my friend fuocious is having his christie's auction right now his christie's nft auction and fio has like the most incredible story he's um very like public and very like brave and excited to share his story of being trans and he's young i think 17 or 18 um he got into it and like really just like he started to sell and create this art as nfts and it like changed his life. Like he was able to find a lot of freedom and really liberate himself from a super toxic environment. And he's also just like, so amazing, so friendly, so kind, like definitely one of my favorite artists right now. Like I think a lot of the people that I love and respect most in this space, like they have really incredible stories and they're super public and super open and accessible, which I think is also new. Like we haven't really experienced that in um, you know, fine art really, I feel like in general, cause so many, I mean, a lot of fine artists really start to become valuable after they're dead. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, it's just kind of part of it. Is this, but even, sorry, go ahead. No, sorry. You finish. I was just going to say, even just like, you know, artists and like musicians or like movie stars or television stars, like, it's not to say that like, there is this expectation or like, you know, how you could ever put that on somebody to like make themselves open and available and like accessible to their audience. But like, I think this is providing a really new opportunity. And I think Clubhouse is a big part of that. I think Twitter is a big part of it. Like people are falling in love with and supporting becoming like diehard collectors of artists because they get to talk to them and have a relationship with them every day which is really important. Do you think this is catapulting the art space the most? Like, do you think that's like what this is for? Or are people selling like cars through the blockchain? I think that artists and, you know, creators are going to create the um, case study for why this works and how important it is. And I think other industries will be slow to adopt, but I do think that they will at some point. Um, It just depends on how quickly, like we have like this collective, like consciousness and, and agreement that we're tired of kind of living our lives under like, you know, the assumption or like, like false kind of optimism that these privatized institutions are taking care of us. I mean, our like we're being weaponized in like corporate battles every day in ways we don't even know like you know epic games and apple were just in a lawsuit together and apple was saying that if if fortnite was to be in the apple store like in the app store they were going to have to pay the 30% fee for all in-game sales and fortnite was like what the fuck like and and i think like i totally agree like what the fuck? Just because there's like, there are so many people, like that's a way that kids and people are like building community, like having experiences, like entertaining themselves. Like it's fun. And Epic was like, we're not going to pay that. So Apple removed Fortnite from their app store. So like to the, to like us kind of like going through life or like whatever, but like what the 10,000 foot view of that is, is like, Apple had absolutely no fucking regard for the people who have their products, who want to also play Fortnite. They didn't give a shit about kind of like weaponizing and saying like, okay, Epic, you don't want to play by our rules. We're going to remove you. Like that impacts this entire, like that impacts us. Like that impacts people who want to play that impacts Apple users. Like we're 
being used as like pawns mm-hmm. in these like it, it, as part of corporate agendas. And like, what are you gonna what are you gonna say? Like, well, I'm not gonna use Apple products anymore because I want to be able to play Fortnite. Like, that's that is a that's a product that's part of your life. And if one person or ten people or twenty people decide not to use Apple. It has literally, it will never even cross their desk. Like, it's not a big deal. Right. So, right. so Apple There's- wouldn't care, but Epics would. What? Well, she's Apple- saying Apple doesn't have, like, a regard for, like, all the people that, like, really want to play Fortnite and build communities and make friends through it. Like, they they use us, the customer, as a weapon. Like, oh, well, fine, we're not going to let you do that. Right. And that's, like, an exaggeration, but it's, like, for me, like, it's me exaggerating, like, you know, but I'm just saying that that type of power over people is really problematic. And it's clearly not, like, clearly these massive corporations are not above kind of using us in that way to, to get back at each other or to kind of, like, you know, make the other person pay or whatever. Like, it's just not... And I think we're going to see more and more of that. Like there's a lot, you know, look at what the, you know, the data breach and like the, the kind of whatever happened with Facebook and like the election. And they, that was all just watch like the social dilemma, right. Mm -hmm. On Netflix, like we're not even aware of, and we're kind of like blindly still participating and consuming and we're not going to stop. Like, let's be honest. We're not just going to like stop using these products and you know meaning like apps or physical products or whatever they're part of our lives Mm -hmm. so like let's try to tap into something that makes us like one percent safer one percent more secure one percent more in control of our like identity of our future of our money of our you know opportunity and like let's just start with one percent and go from there i love it I love this so much. Can you say the names of like all the things you mentioned earlier and how to spell them? Yeah. Like so people can write it down. Like as far as starting the NFT, you mentioned like two different um, blockchains. Um, Like the Apple wallet, but for NFTs. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, um, well, first of all, everybody can follow me, Carson Daly. Um, on all platforms. That's amazing. Uh, you did Carson Daly. Wait, you Daly. did Carson Daly. That's, That's awesome. Amazing. But with a K, right? Yeah. yeah it's Car- and it's D-A-I-L-Y. Okay. Like, Spell the whole thing. It's K-A-R-S-E-N-D-A-I-L-Y. Like days of the week. Cute. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and some of the other, like the, the open marketplaces, like the public marketplaces where anybody can go and mess around and figure out how to, you know, mint and list and sell or buy their first NFT would be um, OpenSea, O-P-E-N-S-E-A dot I-O. I'm so bad at uh, like, whatever spelling. And then the other one is Rarible, R-A-R-I-B-L-E dot com. So these are, you know, anybody can go on there in order to kind of buy or sell on or list on those platforms. You're going to need a MetaMask wallet, M-E-T-A-M-A-S-K. And that is that I-O? Dot I-O. Cool. And just as a warning, what with MetaMask, you will be given what's called a seed phrase. Do not store this in your phone. Do not share it with anybody. Do not take a screenshot. Write it down. Memorize it. Teach yourself a song or a story about it. (laughs) Never tell it to anybody in your life. Never write it down anywhere. Anything like this is the ultimate kind of like takeaway. Like that is like, it's usually like a 12 to 22 word phrase. And it's like your password for your, your digital identity. Such helpful wow. information. <laughs> I am so excited, Carson. This was incredible. Oh Thank you Thank so you much. It was everything. so much better than I could imagine. Yes. Oh, you were able to explain fun. everything like blatant terms. Thank you. Good. Well, I'm glad and I appreciate the opportunity. Like I think, you know, a lot of people are still like, mm. but just the more kind of like, I know that I'm early in like my space So like just the fact that you all want to like give your platform to have this conversation, like your, my work would kind of like be, you know, it wouldn't really mean anything if it weren't like, if you guys weren't showing up Mm. early, 
and wanting to like talk about it, even if it's a five minute clip or whatever, like just to, you know, introduce people in a new way and maybe they'll act on it. Maybe they'll go and fucking become a crypto rich and NFT, like world famous NFT artists. Like I can hope, or at least it'll plant the seed. So when it's more widespread and there's more adoption down the road, like they kind of have that small set, that small, like, percentage and kind of knowledge base of being able to participate in those conversations because I think like especially you know women and especially like for us as you know female entrepreneurs and especially for you know women who are trying to figure out how to monetize or how to grow or how to be expansive and you know just who they are as people and what their opportunities look like down the road like it's really important to, and it's, it's hard and daunting and it can be scary and intimidating, but like, this is the, like the future is digitally driven. Like, and it can also be like, women can be the architects Mm -hmm. of that. Thousand percent. Thanks for breaking that barrier of entry for us. And thank you for all that you do. The autonomy (laughs) is amazing and you're the best. Um, And so Carson Daly on all social platforms, right? Yes. Thank you so Thank much. You. Bye. 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 Go get, go get rich guys. <laughs> if you want to be the most interesting person at the cocktail party, well, hop on over and listen to the brain candy podcast. Our award-winning content will have you laughing while you're learning. We read all the best articles, books, and studies and keep up with new TV shows, documentaries, and pop culture. And then we cram it all into two shows a week. Conspiracy theories, cannibal rabbits, unsolved mysteries, the history of the Walkman. There's something for everyone. The Brain Candy Podcast. Find our link in the show notes. Or simply search for the Brain Candy Podcast on your podcast app. I don't get it. Podcast.